Welcome to another episode of the Coaches Main Event Marathon. I'm your host, Manpreet, and this week we're going over UFC 273, headlined by two title fights. The first of which being the main event for the featherweight title. We got Alexander Volkanovsky trying to defend his strap again. Now he's going up against the Korean zombie Chan Sung Jung. And then in the co-main event, we have a rematch for the bantamweight title with champion Aljamain Sterling taking on interim champion Pyotr Jan. Before we get into the good stuff, let's just swing on over to the standings and see where the coaches sit after two events now. Taking the lead last time around, we have Cody Donovan who cashed in on Bryce Mitchell and that now brings him to a total of $103.03. In second place, we have James Krause who cashed on Kevin Holland at minus 250 and now he finds himself at second place coming in at $102.50. In third place, we got my guy Santino DeFranco from Fright Ready MMA as he cashes on Rafael Dos Anjos at minus 195. Tied for fourth place, we have Mark Montoya and Eric Nixick who both cashed on Kevin Holland at minus 250. And then sitting at the bottom of the leaderboard, we got my guy Tyson Chartier who whiffed on the underdog shot on Edson Barboza last time around and now he is in the hole at $200. It's been fun so far, two events in and I can't wait to see how the rest of this challenge unfolds between the guys and uh, this card filled with pretty heavy favorites at the top and then the the first two main card fights a little bit closer in odds so i'm interested to see how these coaches will decide to continue on with the challenge and which uh, fights they'll either be looking to take a safe bet in or maybe even take a, a long shot on one of the underdogs to try to make up some ground The best part of this episode is the fact that two of the three coaches that you'll be hearing from are actually involved with the title fights this weekend. We got Santino DeFranco who's going to be in the corner of the Korean Zombie and Eric Nixick who actually spent half of the training camp with Aljamain Sterling in preparation for Piotr Jan. And the last coach that's going to be joining us to break down the title fights is the wise and well-respected Mark Montoya from Factory X MMA. So without further ado, let's just get into the breakdowns. Hope you guys enjoyed them. All right, returning, we got my guy Mark Montoya from Factory X Muay Thai. He is uh, leaving to go to Jacksonville in a couple of days here to uh, corner his guy Josh Frem to make in his UFC debut, as well as his veteran Vince Michelle, who's taking on Mark Madsen as well. Uh, a couple of days out from going down to Jacksonville. Mark, how are you doing, brother? I'm great, man. It's good to see you. I'm really looking forward to our boys going out there and performing again. Uh, you know, our athletes are killing it right now. In the UFC, really getting after it. Had some big finishes, back to back. A couple of bonuses with Cody Brundage and Chris Gutierrez, and you know we've we've really had a good year so far. Um, you know, in 2022. So really, really looking forward to these two guys going out. They're they're both killers. I love that they're both on the card. That's uh, they both have similar mindsets. Even though Vince is more of a vet than than Josh, but. They, they really fight with very similar mindsets and it's kind of kill or be killed out there with those two. And uh, I'm really excited, man. It's going to be a fun weekend. Yeah, I can't wait for those fights. And I'm glad that you actually brought up the Gutierrez win. Big spinning back elbow knockout for him last time against uh, Dana Batgrill. I believe he took a performance uh, bonus home as well that night. Uh, but there's one woman right after he got the win where he's like trying to pull you up onto the cage. It seemed like you guys had a very sentimental moment there. Do you mind sharing anything regarding that? Why it seems so important for him to like bring you up with him? 
Well, number one, I want to find the sound guy that kept trying to pull my pants down when I was trying <laughs> to get up on the, uh, the cage. I was trying to get up on the cage with him, which is simple to do. And yeah. the sound guy wanted his mic back like I was going to go somewhere. Where was I going? <laughs> and he was literally pulling my pants down wow. as I'm trying to get up. I'm like, who is doing that? And I look back at the sound guy. I'm like, dog, get off my fucking pants here. I'm trying to get up on the cage and celebrate this moment. I got to so, go back and watch that because I, I completely missed that. That is hilarious that that happened. All I saw was a shot of like maybe torso up from you and where you're trying to get up on the cage with Krista. But yeah, please go ahead. It's probably because ESPN's like, his pants are coming down. Let's not pan any lower. <laughs> I'm like, dog, I will give you the microphone, bro. I'm not going anywhere. So you got, you got eyes on me, dog. <laughs> <laughs> right. exactly. exactly. Yeah, so in regards to, to what happened with you and Chris there, like what, what was, uh, like, is he just uh, very close to you? Like, what, what was that all about? You don't you usually see that from fighters kind of bringing their coach up with them on top of the cage as well. Uh, what, what was he sharing with you there? You know, Chris, he's been here almost five, I think five years. So yeah. when he came here, it was a, he had a lot of adversity in life and he was doing well in the cage on the regional scene. And he just, man, he was having some tough adversity. And he, he's, uh, when I first got him, he was such a knucklehead. Like um, anytime I get someone new, it's such a project, you know, yeah. and it's a good project, but it's a project. It takes a lot of work. and you know, the moment that we were sharing on, the, on top of the cage is just the amount of progress and change that he's chose to make. And, you know, there were days when I was, you know, I'd be like, you want to hit my head against the wall. I might, might have a couple times. Right. But um, we we're just sharing the growth and the change and, and him having the ability to continue to fulfill and chase a dream and, and go out there and really impress himself and, beat a tough opponent you know he was fighting a really tough opponent in, in that fight and and just going out you know going out there and and believing he can do it and then succeeding you know and and we talked all week about this is an opportunity for him to not only impress and win but he could win a bonus on this guy this guy really fits his style well and and Chris is really hard to find in the cage. Probably has some of the best range I've ever seen in my entire coaching career, uh, as far as just how unbelievable his his range management is. I love it. It's it's a lot about the journey, pretty much, is kind of what you're saying as well. And I'm glad to see that as well. I love seeing that kind of coach and fighter camaraderie and to see it on that stage after such a spectacular knockout as well. It, it, I, I'm trying not to get sappy over here, but it warms my heart in a sense to, to see that kind of stuff. So mine too. <laughs> exactly. Shout out to yeah, Chris Gutierrez. And uh, hopefully he can get that eighth fight uh, unbeaten in a row in his next one, hopefully against the top 15 guy as well, because he absolutely deserves it. But Mark, we are here for UFC 273. <laughs> And uh, let's get into the quick standings here. You're actually tied for fourth place right now, and you came out with the dub in the last one uh, where you were able to cash Kevin Holland at minus 250. That netted you 40 bucks, but you're still down 60 bucks because Blonde Brunson shit the bed for you uh, at UFC 271. But you're hoping to make up some ground again this week. Uh, like I said, UFC 273 headlined by two title fights. So let's break down the two title fights first, then we'll get into your actual pick at the uh, back end of, uh, of the segment here. Kicking things off, we got the main event, featherweight strap on the line here. You got Alexander Volkanovsky taking on Korean Zombie, who's stepping in on a little bit of short notice. Originally, it was supposed to be Max Holloway. They're supposed to throw it <laughs> off for the third time. 
Max Holloway pulls out days after they announced the fight. But Korean Zombie gets his title shot after a win over Dan Ige. But he did lose his fight prior to that to Brian Ortega, who obviously fought Volkanovski last at UFC 266. Um, yeah, great fight here between two top guys in this weight class anytime korean zombie fights he's more often than not providing the fireworks uh and the fact that i believe it's been six or seven years now that anytime korean zombie has fought he's been in the main event and it's no different for him to to go out there and do it once again here uh, against alexander volkanovsky so in terms of odds <clears throat> We're currently looking at minus 800 on Volkanovski. That implies that he wins 89% of the time. And then on the flip side for the Korean Zombie, you got plus 500, implying that he wins 17% of the time. Mark, how do you see this featherweight fight going down? Hey, don't you think that um, I'm at a disadvantage given that you've got Kraus, Nick Sick, all those guys that are just gambling fiends, dog? Like, these guys are on this line, like going crazy. You got my old ass over here looking at uh, <laughs> odds. I'm like, I don't give a shit about these. No, I'm just kidding. Hey, uh, you're tied with Nick Sick. So, you know what I mean? Give yourself some credit. Like, dog, I'm, I'm have to get on in on that real action action, right? <laughs> bring my boy, uh, Clint, where is he? Look, there's my boy yeah, right there. Yeah, there's your guy. <laughs> bring some reinforcements. <laughs> um, well, number one, I think that's, uh, I think that's a fun fight. Volk, anytime Volkanovski has fought, it, it's obviously a fun fight, and he's. Um, that's my wife. Sorry. She's like she's ready. Factory X Mamacita, is that her? Hi, sorry. <laughs> no worries, it's fine. She gets a little cameo. I'll she deserves it. Here. <laughs> <laughs> she's the one that uh, keeps Montoya in check. It's all good. No worries. <laughs> anytime those two fight, yeah. It's, I mean, that's going to be a fun fight. It's, it's something that Zombie has shown to beat some really good guys. And, and obviously Volkanovski has been a savage and he's, I mean, to beat Max, like, you know, I guess you can argue whether or not he beat him in one of those fights or not. But the point is, is to stay competitive with, with Max and even win those fights is remarkable. I mean, he can't take anything away from either of those guys. I think it's a little unfortunate we don't get to see that actually happen, uh, but it's a it's a huge, huge uh, jump for the Korean Zombie to go out there and be like, okay, this is my time to shine and go go fight him. I think the thing is though, Volkanovski didn't really have to change many gears to go fight Zombie preparing for Holloway. I think it's I think I, I think it's uh, it's not exactly similar, but it's. It wasn't like a major shift change where you're now you were fighting a striker now you're fighting a wrestler type thing. Uh, there, there. I think there's some similar game plans that you can employ against Zombie, whereas Zombie is coming in and fighting someone like Volkanovski who he's never fought before. Obviously, Volkanovski has a lot of power, and he's shown that he can be slick on his defense, and that's how essentially he stayed so close in those fights with max is his defense was on point obviously he can take a punch um and he's got good blend and so i think volkanovsky goes out there and, and blends that together and and has a similar game plan to how he fought max i mean why would you not why would you shy away from that have a good blend of what he's done and and make zombie have to go and really pull out a uh 
a big shot. I think that's how if Zombie's gonna if Zombie's gonna pull it out, he's gonna pull out a big shot against him and and hit him with something that potentially doesn't see and hurt him. That's the way I would see Zombie winning. It's tough though, and I'm not saying Zombie's not a good blender and that he can't go in and and strike and wrestle and kind of do the whole combination thing. He can. He, but I feel like Volkanovski, with the experience he's had, especially against the multiple fights he's had with Max, being in those long fights that he's had, the experience he's had is really on his side. Uh, I like Zombie a lot. He's a, he's a great competitor. He's a really good fighter. Um, I, love, I love watching him fight. I know when he fought Moicano, he set him up with patience and came under that jab, hit him with an overhand. Obviously, he's got power like that. So um, those type of things are, are really cool to watch and his skill set. And so, but Volkanovski is a different fighter than, than like just in stature than, than what he's fought recently. And so I think that's going to give him some problems. And um, I like zombie a lot. So like my, my likes of liking zombie, I'm like, and it's not that I don't like Volkanovski. I do. I think he's an amazing fighter, but um, zombie has been around for so long and done, has such a, uh, a journey that I, I I love that about him. He's such he's such a great fighter and super skilled. And so um, I just think the plethora of of blend and weapons that Volkanovski has, I, I feel like he's probably going to be victorious in that fight. Yeah, I like that assessment as well. Something that I actually found interesting just going through uh, Korean Zombie's record. Uh, so he beat Dan Ige via decision last year. That was the first time he won a fight via decision since 2008. The guy goes out there and finishes his opponents, whether it's via knockout, whether it's the twister that he pulled out on Leonard Garcia years ago. Uh, the guy's very crafty, but he has a ton of knockout power, something that I don't think that Volkanovski has really faced a lot of since coming over to the UFC. Right During his UFC run, he's fought uh, uh, Mizuto Hirota, uh, Kasuya, Shane Young, Jeremy Kennedy, Darren Elkins, Chad Mendes, Jose Aldo, Max Holloway, Brian Ortega. Jose Aldo being probably the heaviest hitter out of all of those guys, but that's also a diminished version of Jose Aldo, right? Something that, you know, he hasn't really been finishing guys as of late. Do you think the knockout power of Korean Zombie will kind of throw a wrench in the plans of Volkanovski here? Because he is quite edible, at least from the tape that I've been running. What do you take from that? I think though when you say yeah, I think Volkanovski is hittable, but I think when you say if you're making that assessment based on him fighting Max, Max makes everybody hittable. And yeah, so true. his uh, zombie doesn't have the same volume mm -hmm. as Max, and his range management's a little different. It's not. I'm not saying it's better or worse. I'm just saying it's different. And the zombie doesn't fight with that type of volume that that Max fights with, and so. Uh, zombie's going to have to be more of that counter-striker like he was when he fought Moicano, for example. You know, he was very patient. That was a quick fight, so you don't get yeah. a good assessment of it. But you do get an assessment of his patience. Mm -hmm. And so you're like, okay, his patience, and then you get an assessment, of course, of his power. And so, and he's done that a lot, like you just said. He's finished most of his fights. And he's got, he's got some... For his stature, he's got some real like rigid power, and and yeah, I think he I think he's hittable. I think though that Wilkinowski is going to he's going to attack that body, right? He has to. He's got to attack some blend, make make the counter punching of of zombie be thrown off a little bit, and then be the aggressor and, and stalk and hunt him and not 
not overcommit on on single strikes. Volkanovski can't. And I think he's learned that a lot though against Max because of Max's volume. And so with Max's volume, he's had to learn like, okay, I can't overthrow here because I'll get caught here. And he has against Max, right? So uh, I think the learning lesson of that will translate against Zombie. Um, my heart was like, okay, I want to see Zombie win this, but I think skill level wise. I think Volkanovski probably outdoes him with just like I said already that blend of of what he can do. So he is hittable. You're right, but is he is he? Are we saying that because of what Max is able to do? I think that's part of it. I got it. Uh, for those in the in the gambling sphere, uh, to take Volkanovski to win via decision is minus one fifty. I feel like that might be the best way to go about it, rather than paying minus eight hundred on Volkanovski in the saw. But it seems like my guy Mark is picking the Volkanovski side. Uh, you know, even aside from odds here. So uh, let's move on to the next one here because we got a co-main event title fight as well, uh, a bantamweight scrap, uh, a rematch as well, actually, of a fight that took place at UFC two fifty. Uh, 259, uh, way back in March of 2021. Uh, that was the night where Piotr Jan really started to pick it up in round two and three against Aljamain Sterling. And then unfortunately through that inadvertent knee, illegal knee, if that's what you want to call it. Uh, and then uh, that fight was stopped via DQ. Aljamain Sterling gets uh, the, the, the strap in a very dubious fashion, but he wants to go out there and silence the haters, right? He's been taking a lot of heat online. A lot of people kind of giving him shit for taking the easy way out for me from my perspective that need looked like it had very flush and he has all the right to go out there and stop fighting after that that was a very blatant illegal knee so if anything Piotr Jan should be taking the blame if anything but uh the odds for this time around so last time around it was roughly a pick of minus 120 I believe for Piotr Jan plus 110 or something for Aljamain Sterling now we're getting minus 450 for Piotr Jan plus 350 to return on Aljamain Sterling, 82% uh, implied for Jan, 22% implied for Aljamain Sterling. Now, since that fight, uh, Jan has gone over there and defeated Corey Sandhagen back at UFC 267, where he was able to capture the interim bantamweight title, but he wants that undisputed strap, and that's going to have to be through Aljamain Sterling once again. What are your thoughts on this fight? I'm very much looking forward to it. I can't wait to see how Aljamain Sterling tries to readjust his game plan because it clearly wasn't going his way the deeper that that fight went and if he can readjust to the point of actually going out there and getting the dub. And interestingly enough, um, you actually dealt with a fighter that had a back-to-back -back rematch. I'm not sure if you were coaching Chris Gutierrez back then, but when he fought Timur Valiev, were you coaching him at that time? I wasn't. Actually, you were I not. coached him right after that. So right after that, but yeah, that's a, that's a, almost another similar situation where you get Gutierrez going there, get the win, uh, obviously not via DQ or anything, but he comes back in the next fight and Valiev makes the adjustments that are required and then he gets the win. But what are your, what, what's your perspective in regards to this fight? Can Sterling actually change up his game plan good enough here to deal with a, a guy that seems almost unbeatable in Piotr Jan? What are your thoughts here? Well, I don't think Jan changes his strategy. I think he goes in and employs the very similar strategy that he always does and that he did against Aljamain. I think I think when he's fighting Aljo, he has just been training like he typically trains and he goes and fights Aljo just like he did last time. The 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 adjustment has to be on Aljo's side. Uh, Aljo he I've trained with Aljo. He's one he's one of the best grapplers at his size that uh, I've trained with. He can he can grapple his butt off like and uh it's no joke 
how good of a grappler he is. I, I think that's where Aljo's strength lies is in, in his grappling, of course. Um, I think the adjustment he has to make is to put that fight on the ground a lot more than he did in the first fight. Now, that's easier said than done because Jan, uh, uh, Jan showed that he was able to defend those takedowns. And when you're getting hit, sometimes you get desperate on takedowns and they're not as good as they could be if you were striking into them or making him miss on angle and then finding an entry into a takedown. So Aljo has to make an adjustment to get that fight to the ground in order to actually win that fight, I think. To keep it on the feet is all just temporary fodder to find a way to get it back to the mat, and for Aljo at least. For, for Jan, I'm not saying Jan can't grapple and I've never trained with Jan, so I have no idea. But um, from what I've seen, he can grapple too. Uh, but I'm just telling you, Aljo's one of the best grapplers I've grappled with at, at his size uh, in, in ever. And he's just nasty that way. And so, and he can wrestle too. That's the other thing is Aljo can wrestle. So the wrestling, the, I think he has to use the striking blend uh, excuse me, has to use yawn striking to expose the opening to be able to get the wrestling going and get into where his wheelhouse, which is on the game or on the ground. So that's the game he's got to play. And can he do that? Well, the last fight shows that that was a little bit problematic. But with the amount of time that he's had between then and now, you know that those are the adjustments that are being made. Now can he go execute that is, is the question. And so the, that, that execution of that is the hardest part, especially when you're in front of Piotr and he's throwing hammers at you and, and making you feel desperate on, on into your you know, um, blend of wrestling. That's the question is, is, is the defense short up on the striking side for Aljo? And then is he allowing his offensive blend to capitalize in his wrestling. That would be the adjustment that if I was coaching him, he'd have to make. And because uh, he's, I don't, he, I don't, we just saw in the last fight to just sit there and strike with him is not going to be a good move, even though it ended unfortunate with an illegal strike. It wasn't, it wasn't going well on the feet for Aljo. And, and so that's the adjustment that I think has to be made. And Aljo's a good striker. He he's awkwardly good. He has he's long. He ha, he's really athletic. So he can utilize some of that. It's just the advantage is for Aljo's on the ground for sure. So he's got to get it to the mat. He's got to get him to the cage. He's got to he's got to slow down that offensive pursuit that Piotr has. I mean that kid. He's 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 nasty on the feet, and he's a good grappler too. He can defend the takedown. So. Um, I think I think that's the key to to Aljo winning, and I think Jan doesn't change much. He keeps doing what he does and what's made him a champion, and and he goes out there and just executes like he always does. And, and I mean, there's no thinking about that for him. And I think that's one of the advantages in that fight is that Jan doesn't have to go think about any of that stuff because he's executed it and done it at the highest level, and he's been a champion doing it. Um, can Aljo shut his brain off and just execute on muscle memory? I think is the question to then put the ground, the fight on the ground. And so I think though, because of that, that gives Jan a, a, 
an advantage. And I think, I think he wants to prove that he is the undisputed champion and he wants to go show that, you know, I was going to win that fight, the first fight, and I'm going to prove that I'm going to win the second fight. And then Aljo has the same thing. Like you're, you're discredit. You're not giving my credit uh, based on a little, a little illegal strike. I mean, Aljo doesn't make up the rules, right? The rules are the rules. And it he was wasn't even the one. In the he wasn't the one that threw the knee either, right? He's the one in the receiving Agreed. it. <laughs> Agreed. So, and and it's it's the heat of the moment. It's what happens sometimes, but the rule's yeah. the rule. He's gotten a lot of flack because people are like, oh, you were going to get beat. No one knows the fight never ended. So, yeah. uh, you know, hopefully Aljo hasn't read it, a bunch of that nonsense and just enjoyed the belt for a minute and and hopefully he's been slightly delusional about all the comments coming out and just you know fuck these guys and go out and and just go and, and prove to himself that he can be a champion i mean he's talked about i've known him for a long time he's talked about yeah. it for a long time it's cool to see him in that spot but i do feel like the the fight the advantage is for yawn i i think i think you're going to see a lot of what happened in the first fight if Aljo can't rely, if he starts overthinking, getting cracked, and then desperately wrestling, I think then that's a that's when Jan will just go downhill on him and and end up winning that type of fight. So, uh, as much as I love Aljo and I want to see him win that title undisputedly, win the title, um, I think I think the recipe of how to fix that, I'm not in his camp, so I can't tell you, but. The recipe of how to fix that is going to be that Aljo doesn't think about that stuff and goes and acts on instinct and does what he's best at and gets him to the ground and has a relentless pursuit of that. And cardio can't even be a question uh, because he's got to be able to wrestle, 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 wrestle. I don't care if it's boring as hell, but eventually if he'll get him on the ground and attack his jujitsu that he's so good at, uh, he could finish. He could finish him there. Um, but I, I do think the advantage does go to Jan in this fight. From, from memory to me as well, the Aljo and uh, Jan fight was pretty much Aljo trying to strike with him as well. But when you look at the statistics, he actually went one of 17 on takedown attempts in, in that fight. But I think a lot of those, especially after that first round where he went 0 of 14 on takedowns, was kind of reactionary to what Piotr Jan was doing. And he was already getting cracked and he was already starting to feel the pressure and the power of Jan, which is why he wasn't successful with it. So I'd be interested to see if he goes out there with another grapple-heavy game plan, but trying to implement it a little bit smarter and a little bit better as well kind of like you were alluding to so uh in terms of predictions for the title fights we're going uh and still with volkanovsky and you with purion is that correct yep yep there we go those are my Love predictions it. all right now let's get to the fun part of the game let's try to dig you out of that 60 dollar hole that you're in right now mark you you got to look at the, the the main card stuff. I'll just quickly give a disclaimer before you give your picks. Uh, we still don't know what the main card is going to look like after Gastelum and Duplessis fell out a couple of days ago. I am assuming that they're going to plug in Alexei Olenek into the main card. They love Olenek. I wouldn't be surprised if that's the one they actually end up putting him in there with, uh, where he's going up against Jared Vandera. So my guy Mark has to choose from the two title fights. Hamzat Shemaev and uh, Gilbert Burns, uh, Tisha Torres, Mackenzie Dern, and then Olenek and Vandera. Who are you going to go with to dig you out of this hole, my friend? This is the hardest part for me. I could talk. I get to break down fights for you all day. This is the hard. Now you're asking me to put money on the line. I'm like, 
Oh, shit, I don't know about that. I risk my makes paycheck every fun. weekend, bro. Every weekend I risk my paycheck, right? Um, this is what I want to talk about real quick. Yeah, let's go. Burns and Burns and Chemayev. Okay. This line is minus 560 for Chemayev and Gilbert Burns plus 410. Yeah. I'm a little torn about this fight because I could come out of the hole like a monster right now if I take the underdog here in Burns. One of the things is I'm not taking anything away from uh, Chemayev because he's come out here and he believes that's the one thing I'm, I'm not saying he doesn't have the skill set he does obviously but he believes the thing is though is burns is such an accomplished uh fighter and his ground game is nasty nasty so i'm a little bit surprised of how what the gap that we have in this line right here i'm not saying i'm not saying that i would be surprised that chamayev is is the um favorite but man minus 560 plus 410 those are some in terms of a, sorry in terms of implied odds we're talking 85 percent of the time Shamayev wins this fight and then 20 percent again there, there's obviously a little bit of discrepancy with the numbers there that's how the bookies end up making their money that's why it's 105 percent rather than 100 percent. but uh yeah they're only saying that burns wins this fight 20 percent of the time that's crazy and I, and I feel like the other two fights that we're talking about with um, Mackenzie Dern, Tisha, and then Olenek and Jared, we have those fights right now because of the main card not being where it's supposed, you know, we yeah. don't have a I know for yet. sure Dern and Torres is going to be on the main card. That's for sure. It's just the, the last one that we still have questions about. So... You know, do I go for the gamble here? Like gamble, gamble? Do I do I do that with Burns and put it on my board and be like, okay, big dog, let's go here. Yeah, we got we got four hundred and ten bucks to win here. That'll put you out of pretty three hundred fifty bucks of profit. Sideways and be like, you're betting against Tamayev? Are you freaking crazy? Um, but man, the dude's a, the dude's fought for a title. Yeah, and he's such an accomplished grappler. My, my only issue with Burns is, does he have the gas tank mm -hmm. to, if, if some of this stuff doesn't happen, can he, can he sustain the gas tank to still be the savage that he is? That's my only question. Because if, if Chamaya just takes him down, gets on top of him, and, and you know, you're getting beat up a little bit there, that takes some of the gas away. So, you know, that's where I kind of second guess. Uh, the other one is uh, Jan and, and Sterling, and then we got Korean Zombie and Volkanovski. So, um, remember, we got I eight kinda, more eight more events that we're doing after this one. So even if you do take a shot on Burns here, you still have eight events that you can still try to scrape yourself out of a $160 hole if Burns doesn't get it done. Or you get the value here, Burns pulls it off, and you're skyrocketing to the top because uh, I don't know how many people are going to be lining up to be betting the underdogs out of the other five coaches that we have on this show. <laughs> no one's picking Burns out of the other five coaches. You never know. Them. You never know. Uh, you never know. I, but, but, I mean, it's a it's – a, there's a risk there for sure. Yeah. Um, there's a big reward too at the other end of the rainbow there, right? Um, my my head says I like, go with the go with one of the even numbers over here, right? <laughs> and and just and just chip my way back to the top. 
my heart's like, come on, dog, swing for the fences and go. Don't be a uh, bitch, Mark. <laughs> go, go burn, go burns and get this shit done, right? Um, Which one are you gonna let win? You gonna let the the brain or the heart win? I mean, what I would Clint Eastwood with... do? Yeah, what would Clint do? What would Clint do? Clint, what would you do? Here's the microphone. Look, the mic's to Clint's mouth. Bro, Clint doesn't talk. That's the problem. He's fucking talk. I'd be fine over here. I'd have, I'd have the uh, all the plans to the rest of the world. You'd be you number know? one. I'd be yeah, exactly. I'd be number one. Um, all right. Let's see. What do I do here? Well, I think what we do is we go with go with Burns. Let's do it. All right, my guy Mark Montoya. My DMs sacking are gonna be up. full, dog. My DMs are gonna be full. I'm like, coach, you've lost your freaking mind. What are you doing? That's why this is gambling and not just picking straight up winners. We're trying to find some value at times, and this line is completely off. I completely agree with you. Personally, I'm picking Shamaya myself, but I think Burns could potentially get it done as well. And you might be finding yourself in the number one spot come Sunday morning, Mark. I, yeah, I'm I putting the flex you. emoji if he pulls it off. <laughs> I'm putting the flex emoji and I'm throwing that shit out there. Otherwise, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go in my hole and be like, <laughs> <laughs> I ain't even here, dog. What are you talking about? <laughs> Exactly, exactly. <laughs> I love it, Mark. I love it. I love you sacking up and taking the big dog here. Because, again, we uh, you're in a bit of a hole. You might as well dig yourself out of it. And when you get a top five guy like Gilbert Burns at plus 400 odds, you can't you, you can't be mad at taking a shot on a guy like that, especially against Shemaev, who hasn't proven himself against a legitimate opponent yet. Again, no shade at Lee Jingliang, no shade at Gerald Mearshart or any of those guys. But this is Gilbert Burns, who just fought for a title a couple fights ago and is still at the top of his game. Let's find out. You may look like a genius come Sunday morning, like I said, Mark. So we'll see how. Listen, I'm going to tell your fans right now. When we get off air, your boy over here is going to be telling me you're freaking crazy for taking that fight. Are you crazy? And I'm going to be like, "Calm down, dog. Calm down. You're making me second guess all my shit again." Oh, I love it. I love it, Mark. That's why I try not to sway you guys before we record. I'd rather you guys make your picks and then I'll slander you guys after the fact. I love it. I love it. Well, Mark, uh, again, I appreciate you taking out the time to do the show every other month. Honestly, it's awesome to talk to you, to chop it up. I feel like we're gaining a little bit of a friendship here now as well. Uh, I very much appreciate all the insight that you share with me. And again, uh, good luck to your guys this weekend, man. Fremd making his UFC debut and Pichel trying to give a veteran lesson to uh, Mark Madsen there. I can't wait to see that go down. Any parting words you got for, my, uh, for the guys here? No, man, just appreciate your time. Thank you. You're killing it. Keep doing a great job. Appreciate the uh, fan interaction. Uh, some of your guys have reached, some of your fans have reached out to me and and uh, and been really cool. So it's uh, it's cool to do that, and it's fun being on here. Thanks for uh, creating this. And uh, hopefully my boy right here, <laughs> hopefully my boy, hopefully we're good here. Then we go. Then we got champion status after we win this fight this weekend. That's full-on okay. champion status. We're not answering our way up. We're swinging for the freaking fences. Here we go. <laughs> I love it. Mark bringing the heat. Good luck to him. And, uh, yeah, appreciate you coming on. We'll see you again in two months when we break down UFC 275. I believe that's going to be going down in June. Good luck this weekend, Mark. All right, bro. Appreciate you guys. Thank you.
And we are back with my guy Santino DeFranco, and I'm very intrigued to have him on the show this week as he will be in the corner of the challenger in the main event. He'll be in the corner of Korean Zombie. Very much looking forward to seeing how he tackles that fight, and I can't wait for him to share his insight for that fight on this card, on this specific show. But first and foremost, Santino, how are you doing, brother? I know you just got into Jacksonville. How are you feeling? I'm good, man. Well, actually, I say I'm good. As a human, I'm good. But I just got into Jacksonville. And we had the worst, this is probably the worst flight I've ever, I, that I've taken in probably the last five years. And not like turbulence. I don't care about flying and turbulence and going to my desk. None of that matters. <laughs> I was in the very back row on the time. I swear, like the seats, like the further back. They get narrower. Get the tinier, <laughs> yes. And I'm sitting between a behemoth to my left oh, who no. did not even care. And I was in the middle seat. Like, so there's no way of getting around this just a blob all over me and I'm trying to like move and she just did not care. She was like, Nope, I'm all over you. I don't care. And then I would put my arm like up and over and she's like, <laughs> I'm good with that. Like she didn't even care. Didn't even, didn't even try. And then the guy to my right smelled like he had forgotten to take a bath for the last, oh, no. I don't know, course of his lifetime. So, uh, and it was tiny, got off the plane, you know, so anyway, I, I lived through it. How long is here. that flight? How long was that flight? Well, we had to go Phoenix to Chicago, so that was three hours. Oh, and wow. then that was the, that was the leg. And then I, actually, on the Chicago to Jacksonville flight, it was fine. It was two seats on each side, and it was well, it wasn't bad. But that first flight, oh my god! Like I thought, this is it. If the plane doesn't crash, I'm jumping out. <laughs> At least you got some like an airbag on your right side in case the plane. Does. Yeah, <laughs> it was it was it was one of the worst ones I've had in a minute. So some real trials and tribulations to try to get yeah. zombie a title, right? So like you oh, might as and well then go through it. We got here to the to the um hotel and they didn't have us a uh, hotel room. They oh had us normally God. coming in. Yes, so we were supposed to come in tomorrow, uh you know, standard Tuesday fight week stuff. We left a day early, and so they didn't have us checking in today. They had us checking in tomorrow, so that was an ordeal as well. So it was uh Real trials and tribulations that you're going through right now. Like I said, all yeah. in hopes of securing that gold this weekend, which will all make it worth it. So uh, I'm sure you're pretty much dead set on just focusing on the fights at this point. Yeah, absolutely. Fights and then uh, weight cut just, and uh, fight. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Weight cut fights and, you know, seeing what kind of food I can eat on the in-between. <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right. Well, um, so leading up to this, this is going to be the third episode of the Coach's Main Event Marathon. You whiffed on the first event, which was UFC 271, where Derek Lewis got knocked out by You don't have to put it like that. Is what it is. But, hey, you bounced back in the second one. You cashed minus 195 on Rafael Dos Anjos over Hanato Moicano. That was a beautiful pick. That was the second best odds out of all the coaches that got their, their selection right. But minus 195 is a really good hit on you there. And you actually find yourself in third place right now. So uh, you're right behind uh, Mr. James Krause which are hoping to make some uh um uh, you know make a little bit of a dent in that in that uh, lead that he has over you at this moment but uh it's getting hot and heavy in that top three top four and i know that you guys are looking to to get another dub this weekend uh santino we heard to talk about ufc 273 and like i said you are involved in the main event here which is the featherweight title between uh alexander volkanovsky and the korean zombie chan sung Jung. in terms of odds we currently have minus 800 on the champion side, 89% implied that he wins this fight. And then on the flip side, you got plus 500 on the Korean zombie, which means he only wins 17% of the time. Now, this is, you know, based on what the odds think. 
But yeah, this is why I yeah. bring in the pros like you guys to help us break this down and tell yeah. me why that 17% is completely inaccurate. But please, without showing your hand, obviously, in terms of what you guys are planning on doing in this fight, break down this fight. And I'm assuming your prediction is going to be zombie at the end of this, right? But how do you see yeah, this you, one going down? <laughs> you'd hope I'd be thinking zombie wins it. But, but even before we get to that, I mean, just because yep. even more besides talking about breaking down fights, we're breaking down bets. There's some crazy odds on this card. Hamza and uh, and Gilbert Burns are is yep. a huge spread. I think Peter Yan and Aljo is a uh, probably accurately reflects what I think that's probably a little bit of a larger spread than I would expect, but it's still a little bit big. And then of course the zombie fight is a, is a huge spread. So just just the odds in general, they're they're really big. Now uh, there there was a possibility that Zombie got this fight like six months ago, and I forget the details. Maybe. Ortega, they thought he might have been hurt or or what. And we were kind of scrambling and we were lobbying for for the fight. And I liked this fight. Honestly, out of the top five, I liked this matchup with Volk more than I like anybody any other matchup. And then for the title, I think that's honestly even better. I just individually, specifically like this Volk matchup. So uh, I'm really happy about it. Now, of course, without without giving too much of my hand, the the real thing comes with standing. It comes down to Volkanovski's leg kicks and movement versus Zombie's power, and how do those things match up? Uh, you know, can you know we we've seen Volk get clipped a little bit and dropped by Max a couple times. He's gotten rocked a little bit. We know that. I mean, I, I am not even remotely implying that he's chinny at all. But there there are. If anything, that has been the slightest of weaknesses that we've seen him kind of get rocked a couple of times, and, and he recovers well. So I, I don't, I don't even remotely mean to imply that. But he moves. He, he's not a guy who's going to stand in the pocket and go toe to toe and try and slug it out. He's a guy who's going to touch and move, and he uses leg kicks. We saw that with Max. We saw that with Brian. Um, you know, and that's that's a stylistic stand up matchup. And then on the grappling side, he he loves his double leg. He loves his body lock. Uh, really, to go to an inside trip. And then beyond that, he, but even more so than the inside trip, he does a really good job of controlling people on the cage. And, you know, we saw that, especially with Aldo, he was moving with Aldo quite a bit on the outside. And then of course we saw him really start pressing the, the cage grappling, the cage presence. And he's really busy on the cage too. So, you know, can zombie get off the cage? Can he not, can uh, Volkanovski control him on the cage? Can zombie maintain his movement? And then zombies jujitsu. I mean, zombie is it, you know, just in his last fight with Ige showed some really good offensive wrestling, some really good jujitsu too. So it's a powerful, physical, um, I wouldn't say natural wrestler, but somebody who has learned to wrestle effectively in the cage versus a savvy, crafty um, movement guy with jujitsu and submissions. I mean, you know, Zombie, I think, had the first twister in yeah. the UFC. So, uh, you know, I mean, stylistically, these guys both strike and they both grapple really well. Neither of them have cardio problems, and, and we're going to see kind of a for, for as much as for as well rounded as they both are. There's definitely a clash of styles within each of their respective fields. 
Yeah, no, uh, I think the one thing that you really hit on is the the hitability of Volkanovski. I think that's going to be very, uh, like, it's going to be a glaring flaw for him, especially in this fight, especially going up against a power puncher like Korean Zombie. So, like, I know a lot of people like the Volkanovski via decision, which is about minus 150. But even if you're, like, over-saturated on the, the Volkanovski throwing him into parlays, which I would not advise at all in this situation, because that, it, one, it does nothing for your parlay in terms of adding value. And two, this fight is much closer than the minus 800 indicates. But even Korean Zombie to win inside the distance is currently sitting around my, uh, plus 1,000, which I think is crazy considering his finishing ability, right? His last win against Dan Ige was his first decision victory in eight years. Or sorry, since 2008. Like he's, all he ever does is go out there and take heads or get submissions or something, right? The guy is a big, heavy power puncher. And I'm very much looking forward to seeing how you guys can try to implement that to the best of its abilities, right? He has power and Volkanovski can be hit. Is there anything you can add to that? Well, yeah, I'm surprised at the odds just because, you know, of course, Zombie finishes most fighters, all right? We, yeah. we know that. That's how he wins. But he also did five rounds out wrestling, out grappling Ige, um, yeah. who's, you know, I mean, a good wrestler, not not a world-beater wrestler. I mean, I, I kind of called it before that. People are like, well, how is he going to deal with his wrestling? I said, he is absolutely going to murder him wrestling. Like, this is not – in a straight wrestling match, Zombie's going to be Ige today, you know, and, and I kind of knew that going in. People just didn't know how good his wrestling was. But he went five rounds. His cardio was good. He was grappling for five rounds. He was jujitsu and wrestling. So I'm really shocked. Volk's the champ. Of course Volk is the champ. Of course he's going to be the favorite. Um, but the spread is is actually a, a little shocking that it's that big of a spread, especially considering just odds makers in, generals, in general really like people who finish fights, which, which is generally zombies. So it's um, – I, I expected Volk to be a favorite but as as big of a favorite is is kind of just shocking to me two last things about this matchup then we'll move on to the uh main event uh who's going to be in the corner for zombie here you got you eddie cha who's the third and fourth if you guys have um yeah we so we do and those are some of his guys who he brought from korea Okay, perfect. Uh, and secondly, everybody wants to know this because he is probably the most polarizing guy at the gym that you guys are at, Mr. Henry Suhudo. How much of an impact on this training camp has he had, if any at all? Huge, huge, huge impact. Henry has been so great with this camp. He has been involved. One of his, uh, one of Zombie's main training partners for this camp was Henry uh, doing a lot of simulation rounds, a lot of the lighter rounds. I mean, they're different weights, you know, of course, so it's, they're not going as hard as they can. But Henry has been involved with uh, a lot of simulation rounds, a lot of light sparring, wrestling, trying to simulate Volkanovski and Volkanovski's movement, as well as um, simulating and implementing the wrestling, too. So, uh, honestly, Henry has been great. He's been very involved in, in the camp from start to finish. Love to hear it. Love to hear it. All right. We know the prediction is going to be the zombie. So I'm not even going to ask you that question. So of course let's keep it this. Is. Of course it is. <laughs> let's keep of course it. it is. Sorry. If if there is a, a specific prediction you can give, maybe that's something that the viewers will want to know. Do you have a round method or anything that kind of comes to mind? I, I, I get it. MMA is a crazy sport. Any outcome can happen. But is there one that you kind of foresee in your head right now? Zombie KO round two or three. Love it. Love the conviction as well. Not even any hesitation either. I love to hear it, Santino. All right, let's move on to the Coleman event where we can have you talk a little bit more freely about how you feel about these fighters. We got Pure Yan taking on Aljamain Sterling. Uh, obviously, this is a rematch of the fight that was ended in a very dubious fashion, allowing Aljamain Sterling to be the bantamweight champion. In terms of odds, we got minus 450 on Pure Yan, plus 350 the return on Aljamain Sterling. How do you see this one going down, Santino? Very interesting fight. I. 
I mean, I can't, first of all, I just can't wait. I think it's definitely going to be, I want to say a closer fight, but if, was it round three that the illegal knee happened? Round, round four. Two? Round four. It wasn't round four. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So if you look, Aljamain was doing really well in round one and he went out like a bat out of hell. And, and it definitely looked like he, there was a lot of adrenaline going on. He went out hard in round one and he looked really good. He's, I mean, I mean, landing strikes all over the place. I mean, just fast, dynamic, looked amazing, looked pretty good. If I remember, it's been a little while since I watched the fight um, in the first half of round two. And then Peter Jan really started to take over. And I, I want to say when, when you, when I first watched this fight, man, if adrenaline didn't get um, Aljo, I think he could he have kept that up because he looked really good in round one. If you watch just round one, um, I mean, Aljo's a world beater. I mean, and if you just just remember that, and then of course he slides out, slides out, and you think, okay, adrenaline got him, cardio got him, this and this and that. You know, Peter Yan came on, but if you watch every Peter Yan fight ever, it looks like Aljo, Peter Yan, round one, Peter Yan he's not even fighting the first three, four, five minutes of a fight. That dude, you could throw everything at him with two kitchen sinks and he's just calculating. That freaking processor is crunching and crunching and crunching and crunching. And then you see him just analyzing. He is just picking up tendencies and tendencies and tendencies. And then you start to see it a little bit in round two. He starts coming. Honestly, Jimmy Rivera was a great fight. Yeah. Uh, I thought... I thought Rivera was winning every round until Peter Yan just like had his way with him in the last, again, it's been a little while. So don't scream at me, internet world minute to minute. It and was a half. so, so the first two rounds, Jimmy Rivera was winning the first four and a half minutes and then he gets clipped yes. right at the ending of the first and second round would sway it back to Yan's round. But yeah, I, no, that was, yes, I absolutely agree. Continue, please. And, and, you know, and then of course we saw him come on a little bit more in the third round. Yeah. That is Peter Jan is he is just so calculated. He's durable. He's so phenomenal everywhere. He is just waiting for the right moment. And, and that's what happens. I mean, he is so calculated his, he shells up so well. He takes so little damage. His wrestling is stupid. Good for how you do not see people who have that good of wrestling and that good of two things you see somebody who's a phenomenal jujitsu guy, but they don't have the wrestling or they don't have the striking, or you see one or the other. You do not see somebody who is that amazing at both wrestling and striking. I can't remember anybody. I mean, even like a John Jones who was so dominant, mm -hmm. he was very stylistic. He was very long. He used what he used very well, but he was not a traditional striker. And when he had these taller opponents in front of him, he had a harder time. Peter Jan, man, shorter, taller, kickboxer boxer fast slow it doesn't matter striking wrestling um i think peter Jan wins this and you know i like aljo i like his whole camp i love those guys i just i think peter Jan is one of the best in the sport right now yeah it's going to be very difficult to stop a guy like peter Jan who seems to get stronger especially in five round fights you might have a chance in three round fights right uh, the scoring in their last fight actually had uh, uh, Piotr Jan up 2-1 on two judges' scorecards, but one judge actually had a 2-1 for Aljamain Sterling, but unanimously they gave him the second round. But that's where Piotr Jan starts making his reads. That's when he starts taking over. I thought if anybody was going to beat him, it would be Corey Sandhagen, but Sandhagen couldn't even do anything to him either after that first round. So um, safe to say your prediction here is going to be Piotr Jan? Yeah, and it's 
funny you bring up that Corey Sanhagen thing because I am big on Corey Sanhagen. And I was screaming from the rooftops, Corey Sanhagen is going to like light him up standing. And and honestly, the first, I don't know, maybe seven minutes, it, he, it was exactly how I called it, ripping body shots, moving, high knees, you know, Jan is shorter. And I was so impressed with myself. Holy hell, was <laughs> I freaking Nostradamus. And then Peter Jan figured it out and he went on and on and on. And in I mean, Sandhagen had his moments after that, but that was Jan's fight after six or seven minutes in. And I, I was like, holy shit, he is as good as they said he is. It's Anderson Silva-esque, right? Remember like when him in his heyday, he would take like a rounder, sort of download the information, and then he would just chew you up. And that's exactly what Pure Jan is doing uh, nowadays as well. All right. Um, so we got Zombie in the main event for my guy Santino. We got Pyotrian and you in the co-main event. So he's going and you times two for obvious reasons. Now comes the fun part of the show, the competition. So you actually revealed to me minutes before we got on here that the main card is now set. And your second fighter that you're actually there to corner, Mark Madsen, is going to be getting the uh, main card spot here against Vince Pichel. So uh, you have those five, five fights to choose from. The main card, which one are you going to be going with uh, for your competition pick? I'm going with Zombie. Zombie, Zombie, Zombie. It's plus 500. No way around it. Like, to the rooftops. Let's go. There you go. Plus 500 would pretty much put you in first place as long as there's no other coach that uh, is on him. Actually, you know what? Now that you already put major pick, there is another coach that is on him, and I believe it is Mr. Cody Donovan, who's actually in first place right now. So he's going with the Korean Zombie. So he might be a little bit ahead of you, but if uh, at least that will bring you into second place. Uh, well, if, if it that. comes down to Cody being right and getting it right, I'm okay giving up <laughs> that first place spot if it means Zombie gets that title. I'm sure the gold matters more than this dinky yeah. old show that you're doing I really I'm hoping that Cody Donovan wins this coach's challenge right now. All right, there you go. I'll be sure to pass along the message to them and hopefully he uh brings it brings a smile to his face. Um all right, Santino, uh any parting words here you want to say to the fans, to the viewers, anything you want to say? Yeah, I mean it's a great fight coming up. You know, we're in Jacksonville. It's it's a lot of fun. Um great card, good bets on the card all around. So can't wait, uh, can't wait for it. And good luck to all the coaches and Really, just good luck to me and Mark Madsen and Zombie. <laughs> I love it. And Eddie Cha. We can't forget about a guy, Eddie well, Cha. Well, of course, obviously. the whole team. <laughs> of course. Of course, Eddie Cha. <laughs> you know, we've got Dan Moret down here with us, Eddie Cha. We've got Shout Zombie's out to Hitman. Crew. Yeah, we've got uh, Zombie, a, a bunch of... I, I am unfamiliar with Korean pop culture, but there <laughs> are a bunch of like celebrities and musicians and actors wow. coming in town for a Zombie for that. Um, I don't know who any of them are because I don't even know American pop culture that well, let alone Korean pop culture that well. But Eddie assures me there's a lot of cool people coming. I love it. Korean Zombie has been a draw since 2012. That's a, That was the first time he main evented a UFC card. Before that was his fight against Mark Hominick where he knocked him out in seven seconds, I think it was. But that was the last time he didn't have a main event fight. He's had eight straight main event fights. This will be his ninth straight and hopefully allows him to go out there and get that uh, gold as well. Because I'm sure uh, even if you have money on Volkanovski this weekend, the fan in you is cheering for a Korean zombie. It would be amazing to see him have that gold wrap around his oh. waist at the end of this night. Go ahead, my brother. I got one more thing. So... These might be the two best walkout songs in title fight history, Ooh. too. Wait, what does what uh, Volkanovski come out to? I'm, he I'm comes out to right a, land, a land down under. Ooh. From, uh, gosh, who is that? Um, 
Eddie, who's who's land down under? What is his uh, minute? Uh, men at work. Men at work. Men at work. It's men at work. Yeah. So there you go. so zombie comes out to cranberries. Uh, zombie, zombie, of course. And I then love it. Uh, Volt comes out to men at work. Uh, the land down under. So you just some fun fun walkouts here. So I, I wish I was in fight. Jacksonville to take it in, my yeah. man. <laughs> great fight. Great great walkout. So can't wait for either. Awesome. Again, appreciate you taking the time, sense, you know, especially on this busy fight week that you got going on and that hectic fight uh, schedule that you have to deal with. Appreciate it. Uh, and good luck on Zombie this weekend. Good luck on Madsen as well. And uh, hopefully you can find yourself in that number two spot, uh, obviously behind Cody Donovan, uh, come Sunday morning. Appreciate the love as always, man. Sounds good. Appreciate it. Thanks. And we are back with my guy, Eric Nixick from Extreme Couture. Uh, Eric, how's it going, my brother? doing well just on the grind so it's uh staying busy out here right now absolutely i saw the ig story you posted the other night with uh at francis's place with the with the money shooter i know he's getting a little <laughs> crazy over there isn't he <laughs> he's getting he's getting uh you know kind of stuck in the house and nothing else going on and you know so myself and a few of the guys like we'll we'll, we'll take shifts and we'll run over there to check in on him or bring him stuff and you know, like he's got a lot of that rehab stuff. I think he's got the it's cut the game changer or game breaker. I can't remember, but it's like an ice thing for his knee. So he's always got to get ice and he can't drive yet. So he's been Ubering everywhere. So we're we're all kind of taking shifts to run over to the house and check in on him, take care of him and you know, make sure he's doing okay. It's hilarious watching your IG stories with him as well, especially when you – I think you picked him up from the airport, if I'm not mistaken, and he's, like, just lugging in that backseat, barely feeling it fitting into the car. <laughs> yeah, it's man, I got a I got a tiny Kia Stinger, and oh, uh, I actually I had to take him to a, to his doctor's appointment. Uh, so, yeah, he, he went in to go get, go get uh, some more imaging done on his leg. So, yeah, I had to take him down there, and then I took him to the PI and got lunch. So we we're just hanging out and stuff, but, you know – more, moreover, man, like if if uh, if we're around each other, we keep the mood light. You know, I just feel bad for him because he's stuck in the house all the time. So, yeah. you know, it's uh, you know, he's he's your teammate no matter what, whether you're in a fight camp or not. We got to take care of one another. So, last question regarding him, and then we'll get to the 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 matters at hand. Uh, is there a return time frame for him at all? I know he's in the rehab mode, but is there a time frame that you guys are kind of aiming for with him? No, nothing, nothing really at the moment, and. Uh, that's just going to be kind of dependent on how his recovery process goes. And um, we, we had a good meeting with Dana and Hunter right after the fight before the surgery. And, uh, you know, Dana was just adamant about, Hey, take your time, bro. Like we're yeah. no rush. We're, we're always going to be here. So um, I really, um, for me personally, like I took a lot away from that meeting and I thought it was, we, we left on good terms and, and um, I'm looking forward to see what, what happens with these guys in the future. Yeah, especially with everything that was going on in the media with them and all that, it's good to know that they're kind of in good standing and hopefully we'll continue to see him perform inside the octagon where we want to see him perform. All right. For sure. Uh, last time around, it was UFC 272, and you cashed a nice ticket there on Kevin Holland, minus 250. Uh, he went out there and did the damn thing against Cowboy Oliveira. What did you take from that performance, if anything at all? Um, you know, for me, like a little bit of insider information, obviously, like Kevin comes out and trains with me and uh, – understood what he was doing in the camp and, you know, he was bringing on Bob Perez and just kind of listening to what he wanted to do. And then of course, for me, like when you hear that, you want to keep him in line with the same game plan. It's not like we're going to, or right, come in, we're going to show you this. Yeah. So when, when he comes into town, I, you know, I, I ask him, Hey, what's the game plan? What are you guys working on and see where the areas that you, you can help add to what already he's doing. And I loved what those guys had going on. I love the game plan. Um, 
And, you know, man, I, I think 170 is a, a great division for him. It's more natural for him. And um, to be quite fair, I think he's going to be uh, moving up those rankings pretty fast. Yeah, he has a name value. He has a star power. It's just a matter of getting it done inside the cage. And I'm sure we're going to see him getting those top 15, top 10 cracks and hopefully, uh, you know, maybe make a title run as well because he could definitely do that as well. Um, all right. So you did cash on him last time. That puts you in fourth place, tied in fourth place right now with Santino or sorry, with uh, with Mark Montoya, who I believe also cashed on Kevin Holland that night. But uh, we're hoping that you're going to make some steam later on in this segment here. Obviously, I'm going to ask you who you're going to be picking on the main card. But first, business up is talking about the two big fights that we have the two title fights for ufc 273 kicking things off we have the main event uh between alexander volkanovsky and the korean zombie this is obviously for the featherweight title in terms of odds we got minus 800 on alexander the great volkanovsky and plus 500 the return on chan sung Jung. how do you see this fight going down stylistically and who do you think ends up getting their hand raised you know, I just love what Volkanovski's been doing um, with his situational awareness, his fight IQ, just getting better and better every time out. Um, it's something for me as a coach that has a champion on my roster where it's like, how how can I evolve and improve? And what I see out of Volkanovski is every time out, he's showing a new wrinkle. He's getting better in different areas. Um, you know, and the last fight for me with Ortega, I, I just saw grittiness and guts from this guy. And, and, and I mean, God, he's got to have gills or something because yeah. for him to fight out of some of those submissions and what he did, I, I was always been impressed with Volkanovski. But to me, when it when to see him break through some a little adversity and then come out and do what he did, I was blown away, man. I was super, super impressed with him. So, um, and then, you know, of course, I, you know, I just cornered against uh, Korean Zombie against Dan Ige yeah. when he fought Dan. And that was another guy where, I was very impressed with the zombie and the fact that he he got away from the brawl. He didn't try to turn it into like a firefight. And that's kind of what we were hoping for. You know, we wanted Dan to get in a little firefight with him because we thought we thought our guy would have been the one to clip him. And he came out and fought smart. He fought um he fought very, very smart in that fight. So, you know, I think a lot of that credit needs to go to the guys over at Fight Ready and, and what Eddie Chaw's doing with them and uh Santino and those guys. So to me, I, I I'm with you. This this line is just way too wide. You know, I think I think there's a lot of disrespect when you're talking about the zombie. Um, but for me, I, I, I would I would lean towards uh, Volkanovski and getting that decision win. I think just what he's shown and 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 um, feet to the floor and, and getting things done and doing it smartly and, and not getting hit. Um, I think the one way that Vol um, zombie has to win this fight is he's going to have to put Volkanovski out. He's going to have to catch him. Can he do that? Absolutely. But I don't see Volkanovski putting himself in a position to be getting clipped. Yeah, I find it interesting because when we talk about certain champions and certain guys that are getting the job done, Francis Ngannou, most most importantly, like obviously you can relate to him. We we know he has that big nuclear power that he can just pretty much end anybody's night with. But the fact that he has the wrestling, like he showcased in his last fight, to go into that those deep pockets and actually get that pulled out with Volkanovski, it's very difficult to actually pinpoint one specific part of his game that he has like a Francis Ngannou type knockout level type thing. If you know what I'm trying to say, right? He's not this crazy knockout puncher. He's not this crazy jujitsu wizard but he knows how to put everything together and it almost seems like his fight iq and his ability to blend everything together is why he is as great as he is to this point in time right 20 fight winning streak absolutely insane and obviously the public is putting a lot of love on him making him a minus 800 favorite is there something specific in his game that you see that you're like oh th this is why he's great I wouldn't say necessarily anything specific as far as the offensive side goes, but I don't see a lot of holes in his game when it comes to the defensive side of things. Mm -hmm. Like if you're trying to put a game plan together for the guy, it's like, okay, 
where's the chink in the armor? Is it his, is it his takedown defense? Is it his uh, submission game? Is it, what is it? Is it striking? And it's very, very difficult to find, especially when you get a guy like when you look at the, the upper echelon of the featherweight division, you're talking 1A and 1B with Max Holloway and, yep. and Volk. So you're like, okay, well, let, let's see if a guy can get on the volume striking with him. Right. And that's Max. And Max is going to put a pace on him. Now, you can argue about the second fight, of course, but um, and who won and lost that fight. But Volkanowski hung right there and got the got the win out of the way. He scored his takedowns when he needed to. He did all the right little things. And that's what to me is so important about when you talk about that, that veteran, that that fight IQ is he understands when to seal up his rounds. So if a round's real close, he finds a way to sway that round to his direction. Maybe it's a nice takedown. Maybe it's something to get the crowd going, you know, and, and I, I see that from him. And, and for me, like as a coach, I'll watch and try to observe and, and understand how to implement that with some of our fighters. Absolutely. All right, let's move on to the co-main event slot. Obviously, you're taking Vol Volkanovski in the main event there, but let's move on to the co-main event slot. And I was very excited to have you on for this specific episode of, of this show that we're doing because of your involvement with uh, Aljamain Sterling. It's, you know, no secret he's been sp splitting time between your training camp over there in Extreme Couture and then obviously back home with the, the Sarah Longo Weidman team that he has over there. Um, without, you know, kind of showing your hand too much here. Uh, sorry, let me just set this up with the actual odds. In terms of odds, we got minus 450 for Piotr Jan, 82% implied that he wins this fight, and then plus 350 on the Aljamain Sterling side. When they were first scheduled to fight each other, it was pretty much a pick and fight, right? You can yeah. go to some bookies and you can get minus 120 on Aljamain Sterling, and then uh, other bookies you can get the flip side as well. So, again, without showing your hand too much in this, what are you kind of expecting from this fight? How do you, what kind of adjustments do you think that Aljamain can uh, make to, to have a better outcome? And, uh, yeah, obviously, I'm not going to ask for your prediction. I'm assuming it's going to be Aljamain Sterling, but I'm still interested in your analysis in regarding this fight. Well, I think you you kind of have to make adjustments to the adjustments. And what I mean by that is, is okay, let's start with Piotr Jan. He now has an idea or an understanding of what it was like to be in the cage with Aljamain. He understands his power. He understands his movement. Does he respect his takedown defense and all these things? Now, Piotr's typically been a kind of a slow starter, eased his way into fights because he does such a great job of collecting data and getting his reads. Now, is this a continuation between the first fight? And what I mean by that is, is he going to take that information that he's collected in, in the first fight and carry it over in the, in, in the second fight and try to start a little faster, right? Now, we, we, we look to try to prepare for those things with Aljo. Now, when you look at Aljo's side, now we, we, we kind of – hit the gas pedal a little too hard in the first round and that's where you started seeing the taper but i was very happy with what he did in the first round right and i think just keeping him kind of on that same level but slowed down just a little bit i think it's going to really help him with his efficiency going into rounds two and three you're talking about a five round fight so if you can bank three rounds right and get into four and five up three rounds right we really can just you can kind of burn clock if, if you can get into your wrestling and do some things so for me, I think there's going to be a lot of game and shit from both sides. Um, Alger had the neck injury in the first fight. I think there was there was a lot of things that hampered him with that. So now he's now he's fully healthy. I'm excited to see a fully healthy Algerman get in there and, and get after this guy a little bit. So um, again, man, this is going to be a barn burner. I think the I think the 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 line is just a little wide. When you think about you know Aljo was up two two rounds on one scorecard and he was yeah. down you know two to one on another. The fight was was going Piotr Jan's way when the knee landed, right? We can all agree with that. Yeah. So 
I think it's just a little bit of a, you know, kind of a recency bias and in, in, in Jan going out there and doing what he did against Corey Sanhagen. But we also know what, what Aljo did against Corey Sanhagen. So yeah. I think the line's a little little wide for for my for my liking and, and um, you know, a little bit of disrespect towards Aljo. But Aljo's the one that has to come in there and he's got a lot to prove in this fight. And I think he's going to be able to get it done. You know what I think it honestly is, Eric? It's it's the, the MMA fan base and the guys that are putting their money out there. And, and we know the jokes and all that stuff that's going around about Aljo. I, I like the way he's kind of been handling it. Like sometimes he steers into it. Sometimes he doesn't. It is what it is. I'm glad that he yeah. uh, seems to be mentally all there and confident in his own skill set. I think that's what's driving the line, right? I think people just think that Sterling is not as good as anybody makes him out to be. Personally, I think it's 1A and 1B. Like you were saying about uh, Volkanovski and Holloway at uh, Featherweight. At Bantamweight, it's one APRD on one B Aljamain Sterling. And we obviously saw how he dispatched of Corey Sandigan, like you were saying as well. Um, were you involved with the first training camp? I can't recall that. Yeah. So yeah, I was here for the first training camp. I was actually more involved in the first camp. This So this camp I did the first six weeks. Yeah. Um, and then Aljo went back and did the last six weeks back at home. And then all, all we did now is he'll send me out all of his sparring footage. I'll review his footage and him and I will FaceTime or talk and just go over things. Um, but this fight in particular, Chris Curtis was on the card and I was going to be in Jacksonville with Chris Curtis. I would help Al Jermaine when I was out there. Now, Chris got injured. And then because of Chris's injury, I got so much stuff going on out here. I called Aljo and we just decided, hey, it's probably better off for me just to hang back and help the guys at home. He's in great hands. He's in great hands. So, um, But if I'm physically in his corner or not, I'm always in the guy's corner, man. He's my boy. Uh, so the first the first camp, we spent a whole lot of time together. And that was partly due because of COVID and the yeah. fact that he had the, the injury. So he was spending a lot of time with the PI. And that was the thing that really stands out to me is, you know, every every practice that we had, it was really revolved around that neck. So if he woke up that day and his neck injury was hurting, we'd have to change the way we were going to practice that day. So it was a very touch and go that whole camp. So I'm, I'm excited to see him healthy and get in there and go and compete. Uh, last question about this matchup. In regards to the preparation for the first fight, how much are you guys taking from that game plan and asserting it into this one? Like, is there anything that you can share from that first game plan that you don't think would, you would show your hand too much in regards to the second matchup? Well, I think there was a lot of great things that he did there. I think in the first in the first matchup, I think he did a lot of really good things, um, especially dictating the pace and keeping his length. Yeah. And I think there's things in, in areas that he could have really added on. Um, the one thing you know, I'll tell you, I was getting on his ass about was all the fucking spins. Like, bro, yeah. quit spinning. It takes so much you know? energy, right? Yeah, like it takes so much unnecessary energy, energy and, and you're missing and by it, a mile. Exactly, and, and you're 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 talking about, in my opinion, one of the guys with the best eyes. It's put Piotr on vision. He's got great vision yeah. and he understands movement and body language and things of that sort. So he's going to see those spins and stuff coming from a mile away. You know, he really is. So let's, let's be a little bit more efficient when it comes to the striking and things like that. But there's a lot of really good, I mean, we have, I have notes on top of notes. Like, like, so it's funny, Aljamain and I both watched the fight separately. Then we wrote our notes and critiqued everything. Oh, and then we sat and watched it together and then compared the notes. And we were right in line damn near with everything that we saw together. So, um, and then we sat and picked it apart. Hey, where, where did we like, what didn't we like? Um, you know, how was your, how was your day that day when we, when we, for fight day? Well, he didn't eat, he didn't do this. He didn't do this. So there's a lot of things I think that we had to, we have to make adjustments to. And fortunately for us, I mean, those aren't excuses. Those are just a second shot at this opportunity and try to do it the right way. 
I, I love when you guys get that deep into it. And and how can you not, right? Not just the, the gold on the line, but the amount of money that's on the line as well in terms of win and, and show money and all that type of stuff. So uh, I'm glad that you guys are taking those extra precautions and those extra steps to be prepared. All right, now let's get to the fun part. I'm giving you your imaginary $100. Here we go, pushing it through the, the screen and passing on over to you. You got the odds for the main card coming up here. Who are you putting your $100 on at UFC 273? You know, this is this is a tough one because I think there's so much chalk on these on these favorites. Yeah, the top right. I mean, yeah. you're just you're just laying it out there, and, and you know, you're, you're you go Chamaya. What are you going five bucks? Uh, right. So <laughs> yeah, you'd you're, win seventeen dollars. <laughs> seventeen dollars. You know. So um, I, I was trying to look for something a little bit more even in yeah. that regard. So um, the first fight that jumped out to me was the Mackenzie Dern Tisha Torres fight. Now, Marina Rodriguez, she kind of laid the blueprint out on how to beat somebody like Mackenzie Dern, and that's use your length, stick and move. And somebody that does that very, very well is Tisha Torres with her movement and her cage control, understanding her geography. So that fight kind of jumped off the page. And then you're talking about Vic Pichel and then Mark Madsen jumping on the main card. Another very interesting fight. So you have the the Roman Greco guy and, and Mark Madsen, and you have – Michelle, who to me is a very, very underrated fighter at 155. Now, both guys have spent time at a shrink tour. I've got to work with both of them. I've actually cornered Mark Madsen in the past. So to me, where does the jump in, in, in gaps between the, 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 the talent, the specialties of both guys, Mark Madsen obviously being the Greco guy, where does his striking catch up to his, his grappling, right? Meaning if his grappling gets shut down and he's not able to wrestle – is his striking going to have you know these leaps and bounds to be able to catch up with a guy like Vic, Vic Pichel if it stays on the feet? I don't know. I don't know how that's going to work out. And now Vic, what's his look like if he, off of his back? How does his get-up game look? How does his counter-wrestling look and all that stuff? So with those two variables, for me, I got to lean on Mackenzie Dern and her jiu-jitsu. And I think the mistakes that she made in the Marina Rodriguez fight, I think that she's going to understand that she needs to close the distance and she has a great overhand and i see her pipe in that overhand but what i like to see her do is connect her overhand to her body lock series throw that overhand and get her step around and get to the back but what the overhand does because she hits so hard it commands a reaction and that's getting the hands up by doing that that's going to open up the hips so if she can combine her overhand into her takedowns i think she has a pretty easy path to get to to get to tisha's back or to get to the ground and I don't see Tisha getting back up once McKenzie gets her down. So I got to go with McKenzie Dern in this fight. I'm going to pick her by submission, and that's where my money's going. There you go. So you got McKenzie Dern. The line is a pick em line, minus 110, meaning that uh, the $100 will be turned into $90.91 if it cashes, and that should bring you up into second or even uh, a third place there as well if you're able to cash that. So, uh, yeah, awesome. Uh, appreciate the time as always, Eric. I know you got a busy schedule. You had a hectic day yesterday. I appreciate you making the time today to, to do the recording as well. Uh, any parting words for the viewers, for the fans, anything you want to say? No, this is my pleasure. We just got to catch up to James Krause. I'm sure he's in first place. I haven't even looked, but <laughs> I'm sure James is actually, in first. J James is in second. Mr. Cole oh. Donovan is in first place because uh, last time around he cashed on uh, Bryce Mitchell at minus 150, probably the best Very nice. the competition so far. So This uh, is yeah. like the coaches versus Krause. This is the way. <laughs> but, you know. Oh, you guys just teaming up and going up against Fuck yeah. We got to get Krause out of there. <laughs>
Is there an elimination no. process? This is, if this is like Big Brother, we got to get Kraus out of there. Hey, th this is my plan, actually. At the end of the year, after the competition is done, <laughs> the bottom three is getting eliminated, and I'm going to bring in three more coaches to take Smart. it away. So, well, Smart. Well, I love see it. how it goes. I, I that, see you know us coaches, bro. We love to compete, so that's the best part. Exactly. But I love Kraus. That's my boy. I call him every week to find out what his picks are. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love, I love the friendly competition. That was the whole point of the show. People For seem sure. to really get, really get behind it as well. So I appreciate that. All right, Eric, uh, I'll let you go. Appreciate the time as always. Good luck on McKenzie during this week. And even though I have a bet on Tisha Torres, it is what it is. <laughs> it's fine. Good luck to you as well, my friend. And uh, right, do brother. you have anything this weekend, sorry? Do you, you're not going down to Jacksonville, right? No, no, I, I'm going to head out. I got uh, San Jose next week. I go to spring break with the kids for a few days. Then I head out to Hawaii. I got Kai Kamaka and Rafi on Stouts. Then it's back. And then we got, you know, all of our May lineup, our June lineup. And then July is starting to get uh, filled up now. So there's no off season for us, man. We got well, Enjoy the little bit of time that you're actually going to have off here. Enjoy the time with the kiddos and all that stuff. Uh, but yeah, again, appreciate you. And uh, good luck on Mackenzie Dern. Take it easy, my friend. All right, brother. I'll talk to you guys soon. All right, now that we got all the breakdowns out of the way, let's get into all six picks that every coach has chosen off of the main card for UFC 273. In first place, Cody Donovan is going to swing for the fences by taking the Korean Zombie at plus 500. In second place, James Krause is going with a little bit of a safer pick and taking Vince Pichel at great odds of minus 140. Santino will be hoping to take that second place spot if he's able to cash on his fighter that he's actually going to be cornering this weekend as he's taking Korean Zombie at plus 500. Mark Montoya is going to be swinging for the fences as well as he has chosen Gilbert Burns at plus 410. Eric Nixick is trying to cash a sharp play here on Mackenzie Dern who's coming in at minus 110. And as you'd expect with my guy Tyson Chartier, he's really trying to dig himself out of the hole, so he's taking the plus 350 shot on Aljamain Sterling. There you guys go, all six picks from all of the coaches, not to mention three of the coaches breaking down the title fights for you guys. Hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Please hit that like and subscribe. Make sure you guys follow all the coaches on their social media as well, all of which I have listed in the description below. And please drop your comments, drop your thoughts on the show, anything you want to see added, removed, changed, please do let me know. I want this show to blow up. I know it has the potential to blow up, but all we need is for you guys to share it, you guys to like it, and you guys to comment it or comment on it so that it gets into the algorithm and we can start to get more eyeballs on, on this series. Appreciate you guys showing the love as always. Good luck on your bets this weekend and keep your eyes tuned on my channel for much more content on UFC 273 for the rest of the week.